Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. Good morning, Westside. It's Palm Sunday today, and we're here to celebrate with you. I'm so glad to be with you this morning. And you know what? It's been just over six months since Victoria and I made the difficult decision to leave. And despite the social media optics of tropical weather, golf on demand, beaches and palm trees, leaving my family, friends, you guys, Westside, my job in Montreal was very difficult. And particularly for me, it was very difficult. And the Lord had moved in my heart so powerfully in a moment, desiring to see Victoria, my bride, thrive and her people freed from spiritual oppression, that we couldn't ignore the invitation. And we needed to drop everything and yield to God's direction for our lives. So back in October, though visibly, we relinquished everything we possessed or held dear to our hearts in Montreal and particularly St. Anne de Bellevue. It was all for a purpose and it all came together so smoothly. And here we are just over six months later and we're seeing the Lord restore to us spiritually, physically, and practically what we need to assume our mandate to equip the saints and engage in the Great Commission. And Victoria and I are so grateful for the way you all poured into our lives and how our lives were prepared in turn for such a season as this. You will always be home to us, and we are always praying for you and are are looking forward to being together again. And so today is Palm Sunday, And the trajectory for us is Jesus entering Jerusalem on a colt with the cross in our periphery. You know, and David asked me to preach this morning with the hopes to cross-pollinate what God has been teaching us in this season and to make our appeal to you to deepen your faith in Christ heading into Holy Week. And my hope is that this holds true. So today I wanted to begin with the story of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 22. So if you want to open your Bibles to Genesis 22, or the words will be up on the screen. God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. Let's pray. Father, let our eyes and our ears hear what your spirit is teaching us this morning. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be ever pleasing to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So here we are in the land of Moriah at the front end of the story with a mountain in our periphery, a mountain that in this scene, God has asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son, a mountain that later on in the biblical story would be where Jerusalem was located, city on a hill, site of the Temple Mount, highest point in the land. One could suggest the whole of this scene 
between Abraham, Isaac, and God unfolds in the same region where Jesus eventually teaches in synagogues, proclaims the good news of the kingdom, and heals every disease and sickness among the people. I believe it's important to immerse ourselves in the bookends of Scripture. It can help us capture God's character, heart, and invitation. Time and time again, when I've read this scene between Abraham, Isaac, and God, outside of this being the first time love is mentioned in the biblical story, I've often wrestled with this picture I paint of God and Abraham. Why would God ask Abraham to sacrifice his only son? Who is this God? What a brutal ask, an impossible testing of faith, an impossible surrender. I think every time I've read this passage up until this past week, I've defaulted to projecting my own existential crisis and concerns on the story, particularly on Abraham. And I find myself articulating something along the lines of this. Abraham must have been in turmoil, disturbed, confused, uncertain by this request. I mean, come on, I don't have a kid, but this is a brutal ask. In fact, many Christian books have devoted themselves to the wonder of what this existential crisis of faith and concern might have been like for Abraham. Being on that three-day hike with his son to the mountain, God would show him. You know, Soren Kierkegaard writes an exceptional book called Fear and Trembling that goes deeper into this in fascinating ways. And he tackles faith as, quote, believe in the absurd because all conventional wisdom has long since ceased to function, end quote. That's fascinating. You know, that being said, over the years, the church has projected our human lens onto this story, particularly Abraham. And I'll submit this morning that the underlying fruit has been to humanize this beautiful Abrahamic story to fit our preferred narratives and unfortunately miss the mark altogether. Despite all the ways we've conjured up what the existential crisis of faith may have been like for Abraham, the scripture says Abraham was unwavering in his faith because he believed with full assurance that God would make a way to vindicate Isaac, his son. From death. You see, Scripture says that Abraham ultimately wasn't in turmoil, internally disturbed, confused, and or uncertain about this testing of faith. And Scripture goes as far to say that he was the opposite, poised, calm, and assured in God's covenantal promises. He trusted God. So in light of today being Palm Sunday, with Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey, I took the story of Abraham, Isaac, and God, pulled these bookend parallels together, and asked God to teach me something fresh. In fact, I sent out texts to multiple people to read the passage and circle back with insights because something in me was saying, you can't do this alone. All came back with very valuable insights. But my heart was also moved to ask this question. What is going unspoken here? about this scene between Abraham, Isaac, and God. You know, and the Spirit impressed in my heart deeper and said, why do you not look to Isaac in this story for clarity? Why do we pass over the son so easily? My heart dropped and my focus then shifted to meditate on the son, Isaac, in the story. And the Spirit followed up with this next question. Do you see Isaac? the son, 
acting in one accord with Abraham, the father, so much so that you altogether forget about him, but he's important. And to be honest with you, my response to the Holy Spirit was a resounding confession. God, forgive me for not having looked deeper into the Son. Do you see the Son acting in one accord with the Father? I want to let that percolate with you and invite you to sit with that passage in Genesis 22 a little more on your own time. But we're going to move along to the next passage of Scripture for today in the spirit of Palm Sunday. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 21, verses 6 through 10. I'll be reading out of the NRSV. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? A son, saddled on a young donkey, ultimately destined for sacrifice, surrounded by crowds and disciples, entering a city on a hill in turmoil. A city disturbed, confused, and uncertain, asking, who is this? Here we see in the Palm Sunday scene, Jesus tells his disciples to go fetch a donkey. He hops on to fulfill scripture, and they head towards this city on a distant hill. On the way to the city, we get this beautiful doxological picture of the traditional Palm Sunday scene where large crowds are surrounding, worshiping and showering Jesus with praise and symbolic royal adulation with palms and cloaks, literally proclaiming scripture. But once Jesus enters Jerusalem, the city on a hill, things turn and the whole city is said to be in turmoil, in a state of violent disturbance, confusion, and uncertainty. Church, this is Jerusalem, the city of David, location of the Temple Mount, where all the religious superstars, political powers, merchants, pilgrims converged. This is the place and space where people should know who this is. These are the people who should know their own history and scriptures handed down to them throughout the ages. But we see here that this is not the case. Their hearts are hardened. There's conspiracy in the air. Violence, confusion, uncertainty. I can see the crowds in Jerusalem wrestling with their own egos and hardened hearts consumed by the culture around them and their preconceived expectations that they are too far in, blind or callous to see Jesus fulfilling the story right before their own eyes. And then this sobering thought just came to me. Is this us, Lord? Are we these people? I realize this is a sweeping thought for the church in the West, particularly. If I'm willing to be honest, the spiritual climate and fabric of the church heading into Holy Week 2021 isn't entirely looking like a city on a hill, poised, calm, and assured about who Jesus is. But it looks more like a city on a hill in this story, in turmoil, violent, confused, disturbed, divided, uncertain about the character and nature of our Creator. So ask the Spirit, why is this? And he says, maybe it's because we've forgotten.
about the sun. I submit that we've forgotten about the sun in the same way we pass over Isaac in the first story, working in one accord with his father. And instead, we continue to create for ourselves a God made in our own image, meeting our preferred narratives and outcomes. So as we embark on the journey from Palm Sunday to Gethsemane to Golgotha, my invitation to you, church, this morning is just this. Stop. Do you see the Son acting in one accord with the Father? Jesus tells his followers in the Gospel of John, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. You know, despite the world and church looking more like a city in turmoil right now, Jesus, the Son, is still at the right hand of the Father, assured, poised, and calm, calling your name to come live with Him. Our only reasonable response is to incline our ears to His voice for wisdom and to worship Him, the one who works in one accord with the Father, assured, poised, and calm despite the turmoil around us. You know, the beautiful parallel here is Jesus is the fulfillment of the Isaac story. Let that truth melt you into God's image and likeness this Easter. God himself does what he would not let Abraham and Isaac do in order to reveal his faithfulness to us in Jesus. So to top this off today, I want to read and impart these passages of scripture over us as a body this morning. I wholeheartedly believe that we are seated in heavenly places together in this moment. And to those who are listening online who don't call WSG home or are hearing this message for the first time, you are seated with us at this table too. And I believe these scriptures are going to testify to the truth and bring greater definition for the days ahead to who we are becoming in the risen life of Jesus together. So I'm going to give you a few moments here. And I want to invite you to close your eyes and open your palms. Center yourself in the Spirit of God to receive these words. Psalm 43 out of the NRSV. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From those who are deceitful and unjust, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you cast me off? Why must I walk about mournfully because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the harp. O God, my God, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. 
and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. This is a word of the Lord. Maranatha. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com giving. Until next time, peace.